0: Hello everybody, welcome back. This is the third, third. this is the fifth episode of Let's Go Steal a Podcast. We're going to be talking about the Hey everyone, it's Christina here. Uh, I just want to apologize for the the strange quality of the audio. Something was going on with my microphone when we were recording this episode. And those the glitchy, kind of awful noises. I'm still learning how to Um, to do all of this podcasting and recording stuff, so... Thanks for your patience, and I hope you continue to bear with it us. Was, Back it aired episode. on December 23rd, 2008, so it is a Christmas episode, which is okay. sort of evident in the episode itself. There's some poinsettias on the altar, there are singing Christmas Carol like a choir, singing. but then the rest of it, it's just set in, I'm guessing, like, LA, and nobody wears a coat at all.
1: Yeah, nothing else is Christmas. <laughs> I have questions about where the setting, because we learn as we learn more in the series about Nate's childhood. Like, none of it seems to be set. I mean, I guess when you become a priest, you don't necessarily become a priest in your own neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah, you
0: get moved all around the country.
1: I was like, how did they get to LA?
0: Um, and we don't know where Nate went to seminary, right? Which is the thing that we learned that Nate went to seminary for a little bit. <laughs>
1: Nate would be a terrible priest. Oh yeah, oh yeah. really bad. Like, even Nate before
0: everything, I don't think Nate would have been a good priest.
1: We has some really bad ministers, but like... (laughs) (laughs) And I
0: mean, speaking as a Catholic, we have some really bad priests. And I'm glad that Nate took
1: her path.
0: So this episode, the writer was um, Christine Boylan. This is her first produced episode of a television show. Directed Ar- by Arvin Brown, yes. who, his background is in theater, um, and he mentioned in the commentary that he also directed an episode of Ally McBeal, which yeah.
1: was a blast from the past. Yes. Yeah. I forgot that existed. I <laughs> know.
0: I remember, like, randomly, mostly when I watched Supergirl, I'm like,
1: oh. God. Oh, yeah. She's so good on Supergirl. She's, She's
0: amazing. Super- I love her so much. Sure. Uh,
1: okay. So
0: so in this episode, an old friend of Nate we mentioned earlier needs help because the priest in his church is going to be purchased by a developer who in turn is going to basically gentrify the neighborhood. Um, so the Leverage crew takes on the case um, and they decide
1: to fake a oh, miracle. But, but, first, but first, Nate gets a call from his dun-dun-dun-dun ex-wife Yes, Maggie. Asked for help. Yeah, we're used to the concept of Maggie. I mean, we know that he had next wife, mm-hmm.
0: but he I don't sex. think she was even named before
1: this yeah. episode. Yeah, we don't have any information about her because Parker asks who Maggie is, and uh, mm-hmm. so really next wife.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and the way he reacts when he like gets the phone call, he's yep. like, he sees her name and he's like, "Is everything okay?" And it, like immediately is quiet. Like he doesn't. He, he takes it immediately. Yeah, so, this is not a call to, to send a voicemail. Um, yeah, so they decide they're going to fake a miracle, which causes a lot of strife between not just Nate and his friend, but like Hardison, just basically Hardison.
1: This is raised by, a, you know, a grandmother who believed in God very devoutly yeah. and not at all have approved of faking a miracle for a reason. Hardison yeah. fairly convinced that they are all going to be smote. <laughs> Us. Yeah, Any moment,
0: and I mean for good reason because as things like this do, it like gets out of control really fast. Yeah, you know, their so, small miracle turns into like pull, pulling in like thousands of people, and then the Vatican shows up, and they've got to figure out a way to get themselves out of this without having Father Paul, you know, on the hook for
1: fraud. This was a definitely one where it the con got way out of their control. And in some of the ponds, it seems like it's getting out of control, but it's actually been orchestrated by them all along. This was not the case. Um, uh, They rig a statue so that it looks like it's crying. Uh, In some, I'm sure, not scientifically accurate way, where (laughs) smoke interacts with a chemical and then water. Anyway.
0: I wondered um, about that because I was like, when I was watching it again today, I was like, but wouldn't it just cry
1: everywhere? Like, wouldn't it
0: all, like, everything have, like, come right. the and whole like,
1: show, we treat the um, animals. So, right, so they rigged a statue of St. Nicholas, which is very confusing to Parker, because it's to Claus. Which, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to cry. And, um, the neighborhood thinks it's a miracle. And, uh Everybody shows up because it's like mm, seems to be like primarily Hispanic Catholic L.A. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they take the, the miracles are taken very seriously in this neighborhood. This is a big deal. Not that your average Catholic would not show up <laughs> to see the statue, but like this is some serious stuff this is, here.
0: This is a different level of devotion for you know a lot of just like
1: Sunday from, I'm from uh, like. Tucson, which is four hours north of the Mexican border, three or four hours north of the Mexican border, and we—we we, Latin American Catholicism is very much a part of like the fabric of my growing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm not—I'm not even Catholic. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, the Virgin of Guadalupe probably showed up. Like, yeah. no, I we, believe yeah, it. Yeah, she was there. We believe in her, like Latin American Catholic miracles. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's so so. It's, it's pretty—it's pretty real. I don't think even Nate, failed priest, really took into account what a big deal it would be. Yeah, Statue.
0: Yeah, and I think like the, maybe the ease of technology made it a much faster turnaround as well. You know, maybe he's like, oh yeah, we had some instances of like neighborhood miracles, but back in each childhood that was not on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. So it wasn't getting out as quickly yeah so we have to
1: figure out how to get around that so everybody shows up the news media shows up and then we have yet another much like last episode we have yet another villain who's like really cartoonishly villainous Mm -mm. except that I say that but then like the last couple of years of like what rich smarmy dudes are like (laughs) in life you're just like Like, oh this is Art like it's you know, Martin Shkreli's trial. It's hard to say that, like, oh god, he's yeah, cartoonishly villainous, right? Because mm-hmm. like he's the car- most cartoonishly villainous. Person.
0: Like, and beyond his actor actions, like the way he looks is ridiculously right.
1: really cartoonish. Oh, that so <gasps> sweet. I, I hate it. it. I hate read the um. Some of the like jury comments about why they
0: couldn't be on the jury. Yes, he disrespected the homeland. <laughs> yes, he, the, and people are just like, he just looks like a douchebag.
1: <laughs> I need to be Rickey. He does. Does <laughs> he's got this
0: douchebag? You know what? He looked in the mirror at some point and was like, I'm gonna lean into this. I'm
1: just gonna roll with it. Like this is, this is what I
0: was given. I'm gonna work with it. Right. <sighs> <sighs> Um, yeah, so our guys our Martin Shkreli here is Andrew Grant. And he he's
1: his super, super uh has leaned into having no morals whatsoever and no mm-hmm. of it. And when he,
0: he, he hires goes, people to beat up a priest, like that's he all he needs to be a priest.
1: And he hires Sophie to be his PR manager. So this
0: is a great Oh wait, oh wait we gotta back up to the like we the job have- site. How- the job site and how she wrangles yeah. herself this job because it is
1: how- introduces- masterful. Oh, it's so beautiful.
0: Because we get the Parker running into Andrew Grant with some two by fours and then doing the switch of his anti anxiety meds with okay. a combination of caffeine and methamphetamine. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. No. Part. Oh my god. And and you would feel bad. And it would feel bad. And it, Ellie, is- it almost feels bad, but he'd be different.
1: Yeah. So they trap him in an elevator with Sophie. With her amazing
0: Kiwi accent, which is her actual accent. Yes. Actually New Zealander.
1: The funniest part of that exchange in the elevator is that then much, much, or that whole, the whole exchange of Sophie working for him, is that much later when she leaves, he goes, well, were you even really British? Yeah, and i think like... Oh. He doesn't. He's so dumb. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't do the really difference. Um, but so, yeah, they trap the two of them in an elevator together, and he has a panic attack because his anxiety has been switched out for him.
0: I love how quickly that hits him, too. I mean, they are in the elevator for, like, minutes, but... Pops um, that
1: pill, And uh, she convinces him to pretend that he's rescuing her when they come out in front of the press. Mm-hmm. So he can save face. Mm-hmm. And he decides that she does not only gets a private interview with him but also is going to be his head of
0: PR. And I love that. I love that. That's a logical leap. This woman like helps me out of a jam. Obviously, yeah. she's going to be my my new
1: publicist.
0: And I love yeah. the, the scene when they're talking and he's told her that if this interview is over, I want to give you a different job. And he's like, how did you know to do that? And her stance, like she sits back, she's got her legs like spread. Like she's yeah. just like relaxed and like very like alpha. Um, and she's just like, yeah, reporters are lazy. You know, oh, we're we're going to get the story however we need to. Is. Yeah. And she's, you know, because normally the characters she plays are like very upright and like kind of sexy and seductive, and that's not this one at all. She's just kind of cocky and very assured, and I, I loved that. Just that subtle, like, she just, like, leans back and kind of, like,
1: slouches a little. So she's incredible, and also it's, I mean, it's one of those, like, leverage, you know, you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit that this guy, that they know who this guy is well enough to know that he will be stupid enough to hire someone as head of his head of PR mm-hmm. instance you know, after meeting her. But I think you also, I mean, you don't know this yet in the series because it's only the fourth episode, but as it goes on, you just have to like buy into the myth of Sophie, like, yeah. slick sort of charisma. Yeah. Um, that people just give her stuff. What we skipped was that at the very beginning of the episode, Sophie's just been in a play. <laughs> yes. Death and of a salesman. It's the play that any of them has ever <laughs> seen.
0: <laughs> and they saw her as Lady Macbeth, so. Right. She's so,
1: in the salesman as the salesman. And it's very bad.
0: And <laughs> Oh it's night of it was the worst night of my life.
1: Yeah, situation. It's <laughs> he flashes back to like having a gun pointed at his head and whispering. Yeah. He's like, No. No, yeah,
0: it is worse.
1: No, it's the worst. So anyway, this we just we get the very beginning of what's a running joke, which is Sophie's a terrible actress. She's only a good woman. So they get Sophie gets this gig as the head of PR, um, which means that she's in with this guy all the time.
0: And she says, she's like, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be your publicist, you have to tell me everything. Like, I have to know all your deepest, darkest secrets, which is this excellent parallel to Paul being um, Nate's confessor, like his Mm -hmm. priest, who you tell everything to.
1: So, all of the press shows up. This church has a miracle. We can't tear down the church. And our our Martin Shkreli says, um, comes up with this feverish, perhaps. I don't think they switched his meds back out. Oh <laughs> my God.
0: They definitely didn't. Partly They
1: definitely didn't. Now they I'm actually in prison taking those <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. You guys- amphetamine-induced idea that he's going to turn the church into a Bible- Bible-topia. <laughs> uh, a Bible mall. Now, there probably are Bible-topias in the country.
0: Oh, there, I mean, there's like that, that, that of Bible life. museum, Bible history museum or whatever.
1: There's and did, museum. This,
0: did this not remind you of the commitment arc in the Adventure Zone? Yes. They go to the bi- they go to a Bible amusement park. Ew, they go to <laughs> Bible. But yeah, when I was listening to that arc, I was like, oh, "This reminds me of something." What is this remind me of?
1: <laughs> Bibletopia with the Saint Nicholas bobbleheads. Uh, which is like an even worse idea than the first idea that he had, which was just like office space or something. I don't remember. It was something very hipster.
0: Yeah, uh, I was like shop,
1: live, work. I've been uh, uh, Froyo and spin classes. I don't know. Uh-huh. but uh, and I think before Froyo and spin class. I mean, not before Froyo, but this is the worst idea I ever had. Babatopia is the worst idea I ever, yeah. ever had. And he is convinced that it's a really great idea. I like the idea that he's still on amphetamines. Because otherwise I'm concerned about how he made his money to start out with because like this is a bad development idea. Yeah. And this is a guy who
0: <laughs> is supposedly smart enough to have like eight shell companies hiding, you know, his real company. Right. Oh no, he's totally oh, that's that's beautiful.
1: I that never occurred to me. He's totally still on. <laughs> it's, not, like, it's not a money making concept. I mean it is in the heartland, right? It is in the Bible belt, but in LA like it's not. Really terrible i mean they they do like amusement parks
0: in southern california
1: but true
0: um
1: so yeah now the the crew has to talk him out of this or somehow make it so that he they have to get him arrested mm-hmm. like it they, they have to get him out of the picture yeah because he's making a miracle has made the situation worse yeah
0: and now like the vatican shows up the vatican the minute partisan's freaking out because the minute they wave a ph stick in front of it or do any sort of testing it's all going to fall apart because it's going to be obvious what happened so and then if that happens father paul is going to be on the hook
1: yeah i mean it's bad and it's bad for their business because they're supposed to save these people not yeah it's definitely bad because (laughs) that's childhood buddy like yeah, Nate's childhood buddy and Nate's ex-wife is going to yeah be really upset with him if this happens which is like this is the first episode where you get an inkling that Nate may still be holding a torch for his ex-wife yeah and when you meet her on the first day of a job you understand
0: she's incredible
1: so great. she's so great she's really great um.
0: she's really great to me. what? He's too good it's for
1: just,
0: me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially because in all the flashbacks of Nate, his hair is, like, still the same length, but slicked back. And he looks gross. He looks dirty and I don't,
1: I don't like it. And
0: I don't think Maggie would have been down with that.
1: It's hard to ship people when you're, like... I mean, not obviously, I obviously I don't ship them together anyway. Like, I think Sophie and Nate are very good together. I mean, they're, I don't know if they are good together, but they make a lot of sense together. Yeah. Uh, in the way that like Logan and Veronica are terrible for each other, but they make a lot of sense.
0: Star-crossed lovers,
1: they are. No. Anyway, uh, yeah. Okay, what Nate, were we talking about? Uh, how oh. Nate's yeah. ex-wife is too
0: good for him. Um, um, which, like, now that we know a little bit more about Maggie's existence, like her name and the fact that Nate's kind of, or we have that like really great little quiet scene between Nate and Sophie where they talk about, and we find out a little more explicitly about their, their past together. Cause at this point we don't know if they, if they ever did or if they didn't. And, and Sophie like straight up comes out and says, you never cheated on your wife. Like you have nothing to feel guilty about, which of course Nate feels like, so much Catholic guilt because he's like, no, but I I wanted to, like I had those you
1: desires. And you're like, didn't That's, really want to. It's not the same thing. So she, she, didn't even really want to. You yeah. weren't tempted. No, in a like way. you,
0: you were never uh, like around each other enough to like be tempted that much. Like you shot each other that time, and I think it was the chase.
1: Yeah, but
0: I can understand like kind of being tempted in your heart, but he
1: never. But I um, think like. No, no. In the, and I think just he has had a lot of time since his son died to like sit around and drink and like think about the destruction of his marriage and like make things in his head. Yeah. Blow up. Were. Blow, blow up. So the crew has to figure out how to stop the Vatican from realizing <laughs> that the <they're> statue <just> is <laughs> thing fake and to figure out how to stop developer. Grant. Turning Grant from turning the church into Bible They have to make sure that Father Paul is not rocked. Yeah. So at this point, this is enter the Deus ex Machina of the kid who works for Grant who grew up in us. Yes, Who's a neighborhood kid? Never noticed as a neighborhood kid. Yeah. He's never noticed is like it's like his personal assistant. And he's just like in the background all the time. And here's all of his like nefarious scheming, which is full on, like, ha ha ha, I'm going to tear this place down. And right. I would have gone away with it. It's going to be
0: gone. Like, yeah. literally. Yeah. And, and Sophie says to him at some point, he's like, oh, yeah, I grew up in this neighborhood. And she's like, oh, good on you. You're a company man. That was not a Kiwi accent. I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> I cannot do that. Um Yeah. And he, you kind of see that, like, I don't know that guilt on his face where he's like, yeah. yeah. I'm a company man, I'm doing my job and it's screwing over the place that raised. Me. And then
1: every time you see him afterward, the camera kind of like hands to him a little bit while Grant is plotting mm-hmm. the fairy. You know it's gonna somehow come back. And it's interesting because you don't usually have um in Leverage Cons this other outside force that the team has no control over and yeah, not- unless it's Sterling unless it's Sterling who comes in and like saves their butts at the end
0: in the commentary they say that they call those characters uh, like the henchmen to the bad guy they call them the beauties after Gary Busey's character in, like, The Weapon. Okay. So he's, like, not the head bad guy. He's a bad guy, but he's, like, the one in charge of torturing people and things like that. And, you know, sometimes you have... And they're all different kinds of Buseys, and this one's the, like, the, the Busey that changes his mind. Like, the change of heart Busey or something like that. But I love that that's, like, the term that they use. They're like, oh, yes, that's the Busey. <laughs> yes. I would never want to be compared you- to Gary Busey in any way, shape, or form. No,
1: no, it's terrible. It's terrible. That's, like, a... That's, that's a curse. That's really bad. So they they figure out that they have to get statue to disappear. What during a sermon? At, what is it called? It's not that
0: or a sermon. You can call it a sermon, but um, <clears throat> You can tell that I go to a different kind of church. Yeah, and, no, that's cool. I'm excited to get to use
1: my my knowledge. I know. So because then it can it'll be clear that Father Paul has nothing to do with it because he's in the middle. Right. Right,
0: but the the big issue is that this is a 300-pound or 900-pound statue or something. Yeah. Ridiculously heavy. But luckily, Hardison has rigged up several much lighter dummies of the statue for his testing to to see how he can make it cry.
1: That was a Chekhov's gun right there. Because he was making all of those at the beginning of the episode Yeah, play with.
0: And if he had shot successfully shot the one with the paintball gun... He wouldn't have been able to use it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that scene because that's like a running thing that Hardison does is he's not just the the hacker, but he he's well he's not just the computer hacker. He's the I'm gonna hack whatever we need to hack. Right. And and this is like his he like gets to craft basic basically. So he has to craft these different things and like try to rig them up.
1: It's like on Bones, the guy He's always like building entire rooms to try to figure out what is the the oh who's married to the really hot woman. Yep, mm-hmm. curly hair, super rich. Yeah,
0: Hodges. Hodges. Yes, yeah, so, I was. Yeah, very good. Very good. It's
1: So hot. Um. Anyway. Uh, Hodgins is always building, like, this really intense, like, he's a bug scientist, but anytime, Mm. like, we need to figure out the velocity of this weapon, he's like, oh, I built you an entire room!
0: Yeah, he's like, well, I just put the bugs in with the body and decompose it, and I don't have anything to do for 48 hours, so I will build you a murder room. I will build you a
1: murder room! That's, like, totally, totally a hardest thing to do. He's just trying to -to 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 earn his government paycheck. I appreciate that. He has an extra extra bunch of statues, so he can swap them out, which is exciting. Father Paul is giving this really beautiful homily. That was a great homily.
0: And it was, like, so much shorter than 90% of the homilies that I've heard in my 33 years of going to Mass.
1: And he was so good. (laughs) He's got some really, like, very pointed quotes. And Um, looks like... Yeah. (laughs) At uh, everybody he's talking about yeah yeah um he's managed to find scripture that exactly is like don't do this mate don't so that's
0: this. the thing though um is that um one of the things with the catholic church is that all of the readings are chosen ahead of time so like okay. whatever mass you go to on like like this Sunday, whatever church you go right. to around the world, they'll all be reading the same reading. Okay. So that's kind of like a you have to just be like, okay. Yeah. Right. It was just a sign from God that this was the right. Right. that we were doing that day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it was very fitting.
1: And and in the middle of that, uh Parker comes and swaps out the statue, and one little girl who's bored in the homily oh, so cute. is like sticking her head behind the pews and sees Parker, and Parker does the little like, shh, don't tell anybody. Yeah.
0: Meanwhile, she's all dressed in white. Her hair yeah. is
1: like beautiful blonde, like, perfectly
0: like, styled. And so she just looks like an angel yeah. grabbing St. Nick
1: and flying away there with him. There because that's how Parker rolls. Yeah. Um, so uh, Father Paul is all set to like he comes, they realize the statue's gone. Father Paul is like all set to admit everything. I know who did it. And the little girl's like, I saw an angel. An angel took mm-hmm. the statue. And like, what are you gonna say to that? You're in a Catholic church. Yeah.
0: But then he sees through a conveniently open door, Parker leaning up against a van that she's obviously just closed the back door And So he's like, I know what happened. And he runs out, does the big reveal. There's the statue in the back of this black van. And then I love this because the whole team sticks around and is just like blatantly there. And and Elliot's yeah, just like yelling things, like
1: Elliot's had a good thing to do this episode, right? Like Yeah, no, he he cocked that gun in that guy's pants. Yep. He headbutted that other
0: dude and that's all he's
1: done. He got the information about who beat up the priest. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was all he did the whole episode. That is so true.
0: Well, he knocked over Tomas and the job site so that yeah. he couldn't get on the elevator with them. Okay. But yeah, no, but he didn't get to do any of his, like, his job. He didn't do his,
1: his work. Okay, oh, because last episode was completely about him. So it fully makes sense. We got a lot more Hardison this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of Nate and Sophie.
0: So yeah, so we get the reveal. Hardison grabs the papers from the... the- Glove compartment of Van that says that it belongs to Andrew Grant. Andrew Grant is like, no, it doesn't. Um, but the police But Tomas snaps and Snap. says, Yeah, no, you were planning all of this. I'll go to jail, like I don't care. You can't get away with this.
1: That guy punched a priest. He paid somebody to beat up a priest. Yeah. And, and sometimes are just there. why are what? they there? Like the police are just there. They they called them ahead of time? Maybe. I, they must have called them ahead of time. Yeah. Because immediately someone comes over and handcuffs him. Yeah. Well, that was just
0: somebody who was at mass. <laughs> they just <laughs> had their handcuffs. Because they had to go to work. I'm not saying what their job was. Maybe they were a cop, maybe they weren't. Okay,
1: um, right.
0: They had their handcuffs, handcuffs going Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, they're just like right there blatantly like, yeah, we caught you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, is, I mean, it's unclear, like, what they're going to hold him on charges of? Uh, I mean, conspiracy to beat up a priest, I guess. I don't know. Like, what?
0: has Because he yeah. framed him completely for faking the miracle.
1: That's true. That's true. That, that's the biggest thing. So fraud. Well, Moss is willing to I think testify that he used blackmail and intimidation to get yeah, people to sell him their land. So and then we get this really beautiful scene between Sophie and Nate at the end about like whether or not Nate's ready to be in a relationship, which he's blatantly not. What I thought was interesting about this episode it was is that it was a lot more um religious, not in not because it was really Catholic, but it was just like felt like a very like Christmassy like assumption of God's existence kind of a, uh, it was less agnostic than I think like an average episode of Leverage is mm-hmm. and I I sort of thought when we were uh, doing the podcast when we I, I knew you and I were doing the podcast I was like we need someone who doesn't believe in God to be on with us <laughs> because yeah. you and I are pretty religious Yeah, and we're both like sure it's yeah, okay I'm 100% <laughs> down with that yeah. The same I thought we, like, we need somebody who's not, who's an atheist or just, like, not religious at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, like, unchurched to watch this. So, <laughs> like, what their response to it is. Because yeah. it does very Christmassy.
0: I mean, and maybe I'm coming at it from, like, a really, like, I've always been, su- like, I was raised super, super Catholic. I've always been really Catholic. But religiosity of it didn't really hit me but that's because that's just that's my life right it's normal part of your life yeah but because i so i was like more um kind of struck by the the morality like the the ends justify the means kind yeah of thing running through it and kind of that argument that nate and father paul have of you this is you're doing the wrong thing like you can't do this and he's like i'm doing this to save you i'm doing this to save your church and all these people and and he's like no like you that's wrong categorically wrong you can't right. do this but then in the end he flips around and he breaks the seal of the confessional and says i know what just happened like which is something right. that he cannot say and i don't know like the people who i think that's like a trope that people understand. understand.
1: Right. yeah oh so, well so first of all like i was i'm a third generation unitarian universalist so like we definitely do not have confession mm-hmm. um we don't believe in sin um <laughs> and so like we, should, we would be like i'm sorry but so, <laughs> so like i what <laughs> <room? laughs> the priests are not supposed to say anything that comes out of the confessional but like that's not a part of my life but also it wouldn't hit me as like a, oh my god he's gonna break the seal of the confessional because i just don't yeah it, it doesn't i don't know um there is a part when they're having that conversation where Father Paul says that his, maybe his his purpose all along has been to save Nate. hmm And I was like, I, I understand that, like, the idea of, like, saving one soul, but also, like, Nate is not as important as the rest of the people in this Like, I was very like, okay, let's center Nate again. Again. Yeah. All of these people versus Nate. Yeah. Like, Nate can talk to God on his own. I know.
0: Well, they were they were saying in the commentary that the kind of the whole arc of this season is Nate self destructing, right? And he he's he's on this path that doesn't have a happy ending. And the only way that he can kind of justify that path to himself, that he can kind of get away with basically just slowly committing suicide, is to is to bring the rest of the team and like make them better. You know, yeah. like, redeem them. Yes. Yeah. Maybe somehow that will make up for the fact that he's, he's out to end himself. Yeah. Uh, which I'm like, oh, God, that is so true. Yeah. And crazy dark. I, ah. At this point, the rest of the team, they can't see it yet. Right, right. And even if they could see it, they're not at a place in their relationship where they can call him on it. it
1: right. You
0: have to have this, like, lifelong friend. Of his, like, you no, know, like this is not you, like this is not okay. Which, yeah. their relationship is really interesting, um, and we didn't even say who plays Father Paul. So Stevie Sweeney, who is um, from the Cutting Edge, I know. Just- a movie I've never seen.
1: Oh, it's so good. I know, like, it has everything I would like. It has hockey, it has figure skating. And my friend actually just texted me a couple days ago and was like, I just watched The Cutting Edge for no reason. It really holds up. I was like, yeah. All, right. All right. I really need to watch
0: that. And he was, uh, DD Sweeney was really excited to be cast in this Ooh. because he had just come off playing, like, a string of bad guys in different things. Like, he was in Jericho and, um, he was Shoeless Joe Jackson and Eight Men Out. He, he was like, "I'm so excited
1: to play a good guy." Shoeless Joe is a morally ambiguous character. Um, yes. Uh, so the cutting edge is him and Moira Kelly, right? Who is uh, right? Uh, West Wing. right. Yeah. Um, I was like, you know, West Wing, and she's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's so good at that very specific, like, I hate you, and I hate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: And I'm tiny, and I'm angry.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's really got the tiny but fierce thing down to, like, a science. And I miss her, and I wish she were in more stuff. Yeah. I really would phase as women out when they get to that age, but, like, let's phase yeah. them back in. Mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. more people back in. And TV Sweeney, we can do, like, a cutting edge. Actually, um, there's there... a second cutting edge, isn't there? There's, like, a sequel Sequels. There's two sequels?
0: Yeah. I'm, I, I like really apologize to the world that I haven't seen these because I mean, I've seen all of the Bring I mean, sequels for and, sure. And movies like this are like made for me. I rewatched all of Yuri on Ice this weekend.
1: Yuri on Ice is amazing.
0: So great. Um, okay, wait, I have other things
1: to talk about on this episode. Okay. Okay. I don't know what leverage.
0: Um, okay. did I already mention this? This is the very first appearance of the phrase, let's go steal a. Drink, Ooh. Which is what this podcast is named for. So let's go steal a miracle, or whatever it is. Um, and it's the first appearance of Hardison and Elliot's special handshake. I love when Hardison and Elliot do anything together, like Elliot's like grumpy face and Hardison just complaining about everything.
1: And here's the thing: if you're gonna be an OT three uh which I know that you are, if, you have to. If... I know <laughs> you have to not just ship Elliot and Hardison separately with Parker, you have to also ship Hardison and Elliot together. Because yeah. otherwise, Parker just has two boyfriends. How could you like, not? Like, same thing isn't like, it
0: When they When they walk in and there's the three statues, like, just like the look of glee on Elliot's face when he, like, pulls up the and he's like, what are you gonna do with that? And then, like, gives him shit for not being able to hit it when it's 10 feet away. <laughs> yeah. I should them together before I ship anyone with Parker because I didn't like Parker very much at the beginning. Right in that first episode when uh, Hardison drops the bag and Elliot disarms every like all four of those men, like there's like this look on Hardison's face. It's like, all right,
1: hi. <laughs> yes. Yeah, two of them going to talk to the thugs? To <laughs> <get> the priest. <laughs> and oh. the like, Did you see me? And Elliot's like,
0: <laughs> yeah, you you hit an injured person. <laughs> Good job. And he's like, somebody's got to do it. Maybe it's my niche. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. Oh, so Hardison mentions his Nana several times. And this is the first time that he mentions her, but she's a recurring kind of character that he mentions. But she's a shout out to Christine Boylan, the writer's own Nana, who is, Christine Boylan is Catholic and her Nana's very Catholic. And she was kind of worried that her Nana would have the issues with this episode that Hardison had. And that's why, you know, she says, you know, my Nana my nana said never to do anything, whatever he says. Yeah. I'm like, I guess your nana didn't know anything about computers (laughs) because that was like a big old loophole. Okay. Um, Yeah, so, but then her nana watched the episode and was like, oh no, I think what they did was okay because they were doing it for the right reasons, which is the whole theme of the
1: episode. Is it right if we do it for the right reasons? Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah. But it is why we watch Leverage. It's it is like that shifting that's morality, the concept of all of Leverage, right? Yeah, and that's why we. I think that's why we like to watch it because
0: I don't. I wouldn't do those things, but I like to. I like to watch other people do it.
1: I just like that the bad guys are always going to lose at the end of an average leverage episode, and like. In the darkest timeline in which we are currently living, the bad guys are probably going to win like more times a day than they aren't. Yeah, I don't think I don't think in I don't think forever. Like I believe that the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice, but like we are not in a a a time filled with light and hope in terms of guys getting their comeuppance right now. So like Leopard is really hopeful. Yeah. That, it is yeah. and i
0: i brought that up in the the second episode when they literally have someone buying a congressman and i'm like this is our world that we live in right now and this is why i find leverage so compelling that it's addressing these things and then like rectifying them yeah. in ways that i can't do and that a lot of us
1: can't do I and i agree
0: like as like i'm an optimist and i do think that Things can get better, but it is really hard. When it's Tuesday, March thirteenth, and you read the news
1: at all today? <laughs> today, man, it's today's news. Today started with Rex Tillerson getting fired by a tweet, and then like forty-five other things happened. Yeah, yeah, and that was like first thing in the morning. That was mm-hmm. the first thing, and I don't even remember all the other things that happened today because there were so many of them. No. And Rex Tillerson's aide also got fired. Yes, because he was like, no, this is not true. And then, like three other people got fired or quit. Or, I don't, no one works at the State Department anymore. No, and now like Rick Perry is going to be in charge of Veteran Affairs. And the woman who's going to take Mike Pompeo's job at the CIA is like the head of waterboarding and torture, which is all well and good in an episode of Twenty Four but I don't want it in real life. I prefer the CIA not be run by torturers. I mean, I and know the CIA is like a shady fucking organization. Yeah, but and also should the head, the former head of the CIA criteria of state? I'm not a good diplomat. I'm not even sure if Mike Pompeo is a good spy, but I'm certain he's not <laughs> a good diplomat.
0: Okay, should we wrap up? Yes. portion? <laughs> I think I've, I've covered all my notes. So, that wraps up our discussion of The Miracle Job. The next episode will be The Bank Shot Job, which I'm super excited about. It's one of my very favorite, favorite episodes. It's got great everything. Um, but before we completely finish, I wanted to do a quick book recommendation. So, this week I read a book called Loot by Jude Watson. Uh, it's a middle grade book about a jewel thief's son, and his dad dies in his arms, pushed off a building, um, or falls from a roof, anyways. In the aftermath of that death, he finds out that he has a twin sister who his father has hidden from him his whole life because of a uh, a jewelry heist that went wrong, and in that jewelry heist, these um, priceless moonstones have been stolen, and the, the moonstones have the uh, Power to predict your future and your death.
1: And I have this book on the shelf. I have no idea it was about any of these things. Yes,
0: yeah, so good. Yes, yeah, so March and his sister get to know each other. They get put into a foster home back in the United States. They they bond with two other foster kids and break out to go get the rest of the Moonstones. And it is it is, it is an excellent paper. It's really good. It's beautifully written too. All right, so, loot. That's it for us. Do you want to remind everybody where they can find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Helen's Twin, H E L E N S Twin. Um, you can sometimes find me on Tumblr at Clytemnestra's Storytime. Um, but mostly I just tumble about Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Jack, <laughs> please. So if you are in one of those fandoms... That's me plus <laughs> Uh Mostly I'm on Twitter. Yes. At Helen's Twin.
0: Twitter is home. Twitter is home. Yes. And you can find me at home on Twitter at LibrariansD. I'm on Instagram
1: too. Oh yeah. A lot of selfies. <laughs> Instagram is the same Helen's Twin. And I post a lot of selfies of my lipstick. Yes. Zero pictures of my child. Sorry friends. All pictures of my lipstick. I post pictures of other people's children sometimes.
0: (laughs) And my children, my fur babies. Because let me be that single. I post pictures of my cats. Yes. Cats are so wonderful, though. I mean, they're little assholes, but they're... Hold on i'll look it up and then i'll redo that
1: kind of it's that your way. podcast it's my fucking podcast television or a film could not be filled better by Laverne Fox.